So with my power mat, I raise up this phone, and I yell, Shazam! You mispronounced it, damn it! You're off the podcast! That's <laughs> uh, right. All right, welcome back to The Wages of Cinema. I'm Jack, and uh, with me tonight is the one and only guest star. Uh, we also we always call him guest star, even though he's basically a member of the podcast. But we'll, we'll call him guest star Matt anyway. Welcome, Matt. Ahoy, hoy! Yes, guest star Matt. GSM. Uh, Matt is here with us. Uh, Corey uh, couldn't make it out, unfortunately, but uh, we're here to try to give you all the the great uh, shazamming and. All the great uh, Kazamming. Um, what what I say in the car ride that the sequel to Shazam, as you pronounce it, should be Chasm. Yes. Or I actually said that Shazam Chasm. Um, so, um, yeah. So anyway, um, what this is, this is the latest DC Universe movie, um, and what we got here this time is something that's a little, it's a bit different in a good way. I would say from what we've gotten from this kind of extended universe, if, if it even is a universe movie, but we'll, we'll get into that in a second. Um, I, uh, first of all, my first impressions, uh, I, I like this movie quite a bit. So did I. Yes. Um, and I want to just start off off the top that like, I really, I really think that this director, David F. Sandberg, uh, and I'll get into who he is and what, why it's kind of interesting that he got this movie. Um, Oh my, wow, that's weird. What happened? Dwayne Johnson was a producer on this. I can explain that. I think I know what you're going to say with that too, vaguely, but we'll we'll get into that. Um, I would say is I think David F. Sandberg gets. superhero movies a little better than uh than Zack Snyder (laughs) (laughs) the guys had multiple chances to do it and I think Watchmen was maybe the closest he got to it and that was just because he was doing a straight adaptation of that book when he tries to work with original material so to speak he like this movie Shazam is so like it's it's weird because I should say that it's not completely uncynical because there is a lot of DC character product placement and we'll get into that as well. But it didn't have that like cold hard we're doing a very serious movie tone to it. Like it was really trying to be something aimed more at kids. Yeah. <laughs> You'd say that for sure. Say, yeah, it's like tonally like this. Even more than Aquaman, I feel like this was a much lighter-hearted affair. Yeah, and that feels right for the character. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It feels right for the character. But I also think that what I appreciated was that I felt like Sandberg understood that a lot of kids, um, especially maybe more from our generation, but even before that, they didn't look as superheroes as, you know, you have to have this metatextual, meditative commentary about good and evil in a post 9-11 landscape it can just be about like people in costumes flying around and what's you know the joy in using your superpowers and actually getting to uh do things with them that look fun yeah it's not pretentious no 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 that's the good word to use here no it's definitely not pretentious um now, to just give you a little background on on the story uh, before we dig into it a little bit deeper. Um, in, in this movie, you have a you're, you're introduced right away to um, uh, I won't say he's an orphan because that's not entirely correct, but foster child uh, Billy uh, Batson. Uh, he's uh, actually well, actually, there's a prologue uh, that sets up uh, another character, but we'll get into that too. Um, he's like, he's established as mother. He's, he got separated from his mother when he was a little kid. He keeps on trying to find her and has no luck, but he's now put with a new foster family and he meets, has a nice, he, he has a friend sort of with this kid who's super, super into like kind of superhero lore. Nerd. Yeah. Very, very much a nerd to the point where he like, even though he's a very like quick-witted and sarcastic guy, 
Um, and that's uh, Jack Dylan Grazer plays uh, Freddie Freeman. That's that's quite an alliterative name. That's more for a Marvel character than DC. Marvel didn't exist yet when they came up with these names. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We're going to have to get into that, too. Because uh, don't forget, our last review is Captain Marvel. Oh, boy. That's a whole other can of worms. Anyway, just to get through the main crux of the story. Um, so, you know, the, so he becomes part of the foster family. Meanwhile, Mark Strong, who plays, uh, oh, I didn't even know what his full name was, Dr. Thaddeus Bodog Savannah? Yep. What the fuck kind of name is that? Bodog is a Hungarian name. <laughs> okay, clear enough. I don't even remember, did they say his name in the movie? They, they call him Tad a lot. Oh, Tad. Uh, well, Thaddeus. <laughs> I just, I love that. Hey, Tad, why don't you come and attack me, Tad? <laughs> <laughs> it's like being attacked by a villain named Tucker. Um, which, uh, anyway, uh, so Mark Strong is this guy who has been trying to, because he also, um, he, he was involved with somehow getting transported into this, uh, uh, this kind of dark place where this wizard tried to see if he could be the one, so to speak, who could, uh, Get his get the Shazam powers. This wizard played by Jaiman Hunsu. Uh, turns out this kid was not worthy because <laughs> he was too weak. Uh, he got like into a car crash uh, with his uh, father and brother. Uh, but cut the head to years later, and now he's been obsessively hunting for this. But he finally finds it, and it does not go well because he gets. Uh, am I this, am I saying this correctly? He gets possessed through, like, a kind of marble that's put into his eye with all these, like, seven deadly sins. Essentially. <laughs> yeah. Literally, the seven deadly sins are these gargoyles that, uh, that fill up, that, that fill up his soul and make him, you know, super powered and super evil. And, but now, but he's not the most super evil character we discover because there's one more, and that's cut ahead to Jaiman Hunsu, then taps uh, Billy Watson. He Batson. gets Batson. Billy Watson. Billy Batsons. Thank you. Um, what was I saying? Oh, Watson's a different franchise altogether. <laughs> <laughs> um, see, he he's somehow, but he's seen as you are actually a really good person. You deserve the mantle of Shazam. He says Shazam, and that's when we basically get the superhero version of Big. Yes. Or actually, since Captain Marvel was invented before Big, Big is actually Captain Marvel, Shazam, minus all the superhero stuff. Huh. Interesting take on it. Yeah, I, I didn't really think of that. But, yeah, um, I mean, I didn't... I don't know if that was what the creators of Big had in mind. They might have just wanted to have, like, a gimmick to... Um, you know, because in, in Big, it's, uh, the, it's Zoltan who... That grants wishes, and he wishes he was big, and he becomes big. Um, in this, it's because though he's actually seen as a good person that he gets these. Uh, that he gets to, but but also the difference is he gets to switch on and off. Like in Big, he's a he's an adult, and he can't change back till he finds the Zoltan machine again. But no, it's a good comparison. Like, um, so all right, I have to ask you, Matt. So. What came first then? Did because you you broke down on our last podcast, which I encourage you all to check out our Captain Marvel episode, specifically the last five minutes, where Matt unprompted, didn't have any coffee, didn't have any type of stimulants, <laughs> went off on detailing <laughs> in excruciating detail uh, the history of Captain Marvel in the Marvel Comics universe. But what came first? Captain Marvel Marvel or Shazam DC? Is this where it gets even more confusing? Shazam exist, existed before um, he, he became part of DC. Shazam, Captain Marvel was published by a separate company that was, I think, F Fawcett Publications, which was not part of DC at the time. And DC actually sued them because they thought that Shazam was infringing upon Superman. And it was like, uh, oh, well, out legal battle. Well, well, that, I feel like they kind of poke fun at that in the movie, the, don't yeah. they? <laughs> like, even down to his cape and being able to fly and the, 
numerous Superman references. Mm-hmm. Um, but but would you say? But has he been a DC character though for at least like what? What would, what would you say? Like at least thirty years, forty um, years? It, yeah, like about. Um... I don't know, like since the seventies, like okay. he'd been, he'd been absorbed into the DC universe. Yeah, and then, but where does uh, the Rock come in? Is that because he's doing a superhero movie next? Like, is is he the Adam? But he's Black Adam, who is a character who is alluded to in this movie. Oh, is he now? Yes. Okay. Um, is that like a big spoiler? Um. Or, or is that like an Easter egg, or is that the thing that comes that's, in the post-credit that's scene? That's an Easter egg in the, the movie. I can, oh, I okay. can tell you what that is. All right, so all right. We can save it till later. It doesn't matter. We, we can I, save it till later, for sure. It's, it's fine. Now that I've told them that there's a Black Adam reference in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't think a lot of people... I think people who aren't dire comic book fans might not even know who Black Adam is. Uh, <laughs> is see, ba- okay, see, so now that we brought up... Black Adam was the previous avatar for the Shazam powers that let all the seven deadly sins out, and that's why the wizard is like super, oh. super concerned about getting a good guy. Oh, oh, I see, I see. Okay, well, well, that was in the well. He has the little backstory. Yeah, that's in the, the, the exposition. Oh, okay. I guess I, I. I was paying attention during that, but I was more focused on just the information regarding that the seven deadly sins, their backstory is that they used to cause chaos and they unleashed on the world and caused like civilizations yeah. to fall and all that. They, they don't actually say Black Adam was the previous guy that screwed up. They I just, see. So I guess it's interesting then that the, now that now I guess DC, maybe they realized, okay, we kind of screwed up really rushing into trying to create this universe. Let's kind of go back from scratch and start with a Shazam movie <laughs> and then have Black Adam and then go from there. But um, back to just some of the basics of the movie. Um, this is just a lot of fun to watch. Yeah. I think that it gets, again, like also it, I feel like it's also not just, it, it's kind of a kid's movie mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. I feel like this movie is pitched at kids, but that's not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. It's pitched in the way that, like, for example, they have the trope involving the bullies at school, and uh, and you know also like the siblings feel kind of like they're from a but not from I'm gonna say that they feel like a little bit like they're from a TV show, but like a good TV show, like they feel like those kind of drawn characters where each is a type, like the little sister foster girl is very cute and. Uh, you know, she like she's the one that gets the secret. She finds out the secret uh, along with uh, uh, along with Billy and uh, and Freddie, um, and she has to kind of keep it. And she has fun with that. You have a couple other types in there, um, and also just the way that they develop, like when they're Freddie is getting him to test his powers. He uses like YouTube to upload all these clips online. Uh, um, you would think though that, well, I know that, I know that there's a joke at the very end and we'll get to that also later, but you would think that with all these videos going up and all this, even though it's kind of local to Philadelphia and who gives a fuck about Philadelphia, uh, (laughs) actually I love Philadelphia. I don't don't know why I'm saying that. Sorry, Philadelphia. You're cool. Um, it. I would wonder why the other why other DC characters aren't aware of Shazam. Um, because it's his movie, and they couldn't afford to get more characters to show up in it and steal his thunder, so to speak. Ah! <laughs> yeah, I mean that's again, and just even down to yeah, that's a good point. Uh, but down to just that aspect of it when he yells out Shazam, and then the lightning bolt turns him into he can go from being an adult into a kid into Shazam again. That's just a really cool power too. Like even down, even forgetting aside all the other abilities he has and what they test with him um, in a montage, by the way, that I think helps to rehabilitate the use of don't stop me now after it was used in that movie. We don't talk about anymore. (laughs) Uh, Hint it won more Oscars than it should have. Um, I like that sequence a lot. I just think that was just really charming. Um, I like Zachary Levy a lot in oh, this. Oh, he was wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we should talk about him for a second. 
I I just love that he is um I you know he he's just has so much he he's able to play you know 14 and he has a lot of wonder at it and what's cool is that ultimately <coughs> excuse me sorry <coughs> you got sneeze there on your podcast um he is also in a way going through a little bit of like a coming of age story in this movie cuz Billy is finding out things about himself he he's trying to grow and learn as a superhero he's kind of failing a lot a lot of this movie he's just not very good at his job because he's very self-absorbed and like man this is so cool i'm gonna take selfies and try to get money <laughs> that's a cool aspect too by the way that he's just you don't, you, you don't see that too much that almost felt more like that almost was closer to luke cage than the luke cage show <laughs> he was kind of he could have been shazam hero for hire yeah this that was more of the modern new 52 shazam where he's more he's less of an idealized perfect kid unlike the classic shazam oh who is really like good from the start oh so they changed that probably for this movie they they they, they they did the modern take on this for the movie. Oh, okay. Because I, I didn't really know about the differences. Like, I, I went into this movie largely, like, yeah. not knowing that much about the Shazam character yeah, or the brand. So, was he... So, his so early on, his character was looked at in the comics. He was more of a goody two-shoes. Yeah, he was, like, super moral and wholesome, like Steve Rogers. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah, but... Yeah, I, I don't know. I think it's good that they changed it up so that he has a bit more vanity and all that. Because um, I think, but because it, it works involving like a kid today. Yeah. You know. It, and also, like, um, it's funny because he gets the um, Shazam powers n not necessarily because he is as moral and wholesome as he was in the classic Shazam stories. It's kind of like he gets them by default. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When he shows well, up, there is no temptation anymore. So they're just like, oh yeah, well the seven deadly sins are already gone. Well, so, yeah. well that was, that's a that's a question. Doesn't it seem like did um so Jaiman Huntsu, uh he he's in the movie and he's the character who uh he plays he's the wizard. Does he basically say to Billy I'm giving you the power because I don't you know you're a good person, but you're kind of my last choice. Yeah, basically. <laughs> <laughs> so cause also that's another thing in we're led to believe that part of what Mark Strong has been doing, he's been trying to use, like, these symbols, he's been trying to play detective for basically what might have been decades, these, because he saw these symbols in this eight ball right before he got zapped into this, uh, what would you, what is that place called? The Rock of Eternity. The Rock of Eternity. Of course it's called that. Um, he goes to the Rock of Eternity, and he meets the wizard, the wizard turns him down, tries to find again, what does he say, like, 28 people? We're not. We're also turned down. Something more like fifty six or so. Oh, fifty six. Okay. For some reason, I thought I heard twenty eight. Yeah. So it's almost like uh, it's almost like a casting call. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that that's what makes it amusing, though. Yeah, as you said, like he's even though he is kind of good hearted, and he you know he'll step up and save. You know, he'll try to stop like the bullies and beat them up after. They're just mercilessly beating up the other foster kids. Um, yeah, like he's not a perfect kid, but that's what you know. It's that Spider-Man thing. Yeah. It's it's in a way. I feel I actually thought a lot about Spider-Man watching this, and I one I think that must have been intentional. I mean, the end credits music, like, and I mean the first part where they have the main end credits, that felt very Spider-Man: Homecoming. Uh -huh. I don't know if that was the director or the studio. But the end credits for Spider-Man Homecoming had the Ramones uh, Blitzkrieg Bop. This had the Ramones I Don't Want to Grow Up. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a good song. Like it's a good it's fitting, but I could tell that that must have been on their minds. And and Grant Spider-Man Homecoming is different because you know he's already been Spider-Man for a bit. But there's all but again, there's that aspect of you're young shit, you don't really know anything. <laughs> you uh you're gonna be fucking up a lot. Um, and Freddy kind of becomes this, like, very super enthusiastic sidekick, who I think, what I also like is how they just naked, he just says at one point, yeah, I kind of wish I had these powers. Um, of course, <sighs> something else with that later. We're going to have to get into spoilers soon to talk about a lot of stuff with this. 
Oh, um, what do you think of Mark Strong? Mark Strong was good. I like him. He's like automatically a better Lex Luthor than <laughs> Jesse Eisenberg by default. Yeah. Um, yeah, he should have been Lex Luthor. Uh, but he works in this too. Yeah, he works in this. I wish that they had given him more stuff because. You know what I wish had gotten more stuff? And I, you know, it, it was just. I was almost just happy to see him in a movie. Uh, John Glover? Yes, thank you. I was trying to look for him. Yeah, John Glover. Um, you might know him from uh, uh, Gremlins 2, where he played uh, the head of the uh, the corporation. Was it Clamp? Clamp? Clamp, thank you. Yeah, I love him in that so much. And he's only in this for a couple of scenes, but I felt like he was having a good time. Yes, he's also um, a multiple DC character. Oh, is he now? Yes, he's the voice of the Riddler. And in what? In, in Batman the Animated Series. Oh, really? Yes, and he's um, he was Dr. Jason Woodrow in Batman and Robin. And oh, right, right. <laughs> and um, thanks for reminding me of that. That's well, that's funny then too. Like in a way, um, they showed the little bit from Batman and Robin before the movie. Yeah, and he's also Lionel Luther from Smallville. Wow, that guy's keeping busy. Yeah. And here's something else that's really weird. Jaiman Hunsu in this movie, Shazam, one and like still in theaters at the theater we were at, he's in Captain Marvel. Yep, he's the link between both pictures. Weird. I did he I wonder if he knew that. Like I wonder I, I mean I don't know much about Jaiman Hunsu, but I'd be curious if he knows like what he was doing by taking a role in each of these movies. And granted, they're they're pretty different roles, but still, um, I don't know if he was given that much to do. I guess he did enough. They gave him such a ridiculous beard. <laughs> <laughs> it looked like kind of like a Halloween costume, frankly. <laughs> uh, oh, I also really like how plastic uh, Shazam's suit looks. Yes. Like, it was kind of cool. It was a nice change of pace from, like, we need to make the suit look really gritty and we need to work on it like it's like a convertible. No, this, it's like... I just loved how it it it, it, it 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 didn't even look like Zachary Levy had, you know, sometimes you hear about these actors like bulking up for this part. The muscles didn't look real. Yeah. And it was wonderful because it was like a kid's idea of what a grown yes. superhero would look like. Yeah, and that's like that fits the theme of this movie so well. It's like what is a kid's idea of a superhero? And I think that's what Sandberg gets. That's it's so refreshing to get that in you know, a, a series like this. And that's why I almost was curious if I know technically this is part of the DC so-called universe, but I almost wondered at, at first if this was a DC universe movie proper, or if it was just a new DC movie that happened to have Superman, Batman were known in this world. What do you think? I, I think it is part of the universe. Yeah, no, no, no. Obviously, yeah, there are things that give it away. But what's also cool is that this gets to kind of do what I feel like Daredevil and some of those Marvel shows on Netflix kind of had to dance around because of, you know, the stupid rights reasons, which is we actually are just saying outright, this is the <laughs> characters. These are their names. We have to say the big green guy, the guy with the hammer, all that cutesy shit. Uh, yeah. I mean, in this... But here's a question, though. This is something I wanted to get to. and We'll soon get into spoilers and all that. Um, so, merchandising. Yeah. So, that's a thing in this movie. It's pretty out there. It's almost like... It's it's almost as prevalent as it was in Spaceballs. Oh. Um, but but here's the thing though, because like you know you see the kid uh, Freddy is a huge Superman fan in this world. He has Superman backpacks. He has a T-shirt. He has an Aquaman shirt. Within this world, though, who gets the money from that stuff? It, I don't know. <laughs> Probably Bruce Wayne licenses. Yeah, out. he he licenses out himself, I guess. Like, because yeah. there's no, because there's no DC in the universe. Or um, is there? Ah, oh, interesting. So there's actually a 
maybe there's a f- company within the world of these movies that puts out comic books and memorabilia, and I guess then they have to make a deal with these characters, I guess, to like, license their likenesses. Like Shady Bruce Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> but um, this is also true in Marvel stuff, too. It's not as apparent stuff, but like in the Iron Man 2, they had all the Iron Man merchandising and stuff. Oh, That's okay. Also- and if you watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which you don't, in like the very first episode, oh. they had action figures of all the Avengers that were just the movie toys that okay. they put in. But I feel like yeah. this was really pushing that, though. Like, you, it was really clear. Yeah. Like, that was the only thing in this movie that... Again, the tone of this movie is not cynical. It's very childlike and playful. Um, but that was certainly... A, you know, it's... I could see someone making the argument that maybe some of this is kind of like a commercial for DC products. Uh But I mean, like, think about how popular, like, superhero merchandise is in our world, and then think about a world where there actually are real-life superheroes, how much crazier people would be to, like, get that stuff. Well, it is, but maybe that's true. But on the other hand, you could also say that if they already, but if they exist in this world, maybe we get used to them a lot quicker than we do. Yeah, but, like, it's... Like, do people still, like, buy sports memorabilia and, like, mm. you have, like, baseball players or what, like, a dime a dozen worth, right. like, you know? No, 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 that's a good point. Yeah. Um, but, no, it's just interesting to think about that, that, the you know, all this memorabilia is there. And they, they have fun with that, too. Like, there's a there's a set piece where um, Shazam and Tad, I'm going to just call him Tad from now on. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a prep school bully. Um, uh, Tad and, and Shazam have a fight in the mall. And there's a point where I think, like, they're just knocking around Batman figures. <laughs> oh, and, like, what's cool is at one point, I won't say how, but a Batarang is used for very good effect. Yeah. In an action bit. Um, and then I think he says something like, I'm glad I didn't sell that. <laughs> um, yeah. Um. So, I don't know, what are some other things about this movie that interested you as, like, somebody who sees a lot of these comic oh. movies? How does it stand apart? Because another thing I thought about, too, watching this was uh, Spider-Verse. Spider-Verse. A I, little I bit. I can see where you'd see that. Well, just in the sense that it felt, at times, kind of metatextual. Uh-huh. But whereas I still think Spider-Verse is the better movie, um, it's a great movie. And I don't know if I would say this is great, but... I feel like it exists in that kind of same realm as these characters. Like, because in Spider-Verse, they also, that's another world where Spire, all the characters know Spider-Man exists and it's they're kind of wrestling with all the different Spider-People. Um, but in this one, it... Um, what I think was interesting in here, though, I felt like Spider-Verse was even more meta. And in this, they still tried to tell a story. Mm-hmm. Like I mean, they did Inspire Verse too, but um, yeah. I also like this movie. Just had a lot of heart. It it treated um, like foster kids in a in a nice way. I felt yeah. like when you actually get past the superhero stuff, like that was. I felt like they they tried to make it clear, like no, the family are good people. Yeah. You don't have so many times you have like the evil foster parents and stuff like the evil step parents like for fairy tale updates or like just show like oh the system doesn't work and stuff and this is like the one yeah. time where it actually yeah like, hey there are good people. Yeah, I, well, I think this movie. I think they know that we already have a villain character. We already have like a clear and present threat. Yeah, we don't need to make the parents also shitty. We don't need to add like Harry Potter onto yeah, this. I was gonna say that. <laughs> <laughs> they don't make Billy Batson live in a cupboard under the stairs. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's also like that's what's kind of cool too is that there's like a good conflict they're dealing with. That this this kid has been kind of just hurt from not feeling like he belongs anywhere because he thinks like I just need to get back to my mom and um but I think they all, but they also do a good job of gradually making it like incrementally that he's very he has his guard up he doesn't really feel like he's part of the family but over the course of the movie he'll you know they'll become family altogether yeah. is that something else in the comics like is he a foster kid in there too or is that more 
is that like a new 52? That's it's in both more or less. Okay. Yeah. And um, uh, in this case, he's not an orphan, but it's like he almost might as well be. Um, but yeah, that's why I think also like for kids who see this movie again, like if I had a kid, I don't know if I would want to show them Batman versus Superman when they were like really young. I can't believe I'm saying that, but I wouldn't want them to see a movie with Batman Superman until at least they were like 10 or 11 or, or maybe older. Whereas this, I would feel very comfortable showing to like, you know, little kids. And... Yeah, it's a good family film, but at the same time, it doesn't feel too sanitized. It like, has sophistication. It, yeah, it's genuine, and, like, the threats feel, like, real. Like, it's not, like, a kiddified, like, no-stakes kind of thing. Yeah, no, it, there's, like, real good thrills, and there's good, again, good moments where it's, like, early on, he's just really screwing up. Like, there's a point where he shoots one of his lightning bolts, and it knocks a bus almost off of a highway and he has to like clean that up and like try to save it and you know that happens and yeah how people are thrown through buildings it's um it it, it also has more respect i think for the civilian population than something like man of steel <laughs> you had like a fate you just gave me a look matt oh god what was my look like you just looked like I can't believe I still... That is a thing that exists in this world. <laughs> <laughs> that we had to correct that much from a Superman movie. But, but yeah, this does feel like the Superman movie that people wanted to see instead. A bit more, yeah. Yeah, yeah in a way, also in the fact that Superman, you know, Ma and Pa Kent, they're kind of his foster parents. And yeah, and the fact that Ma and Pa Kent especially Pa Ken, such like a shitty dad in Man of Steel. The the father in this one, like at one point he gets angry at uh, at Billy, but it's for a good reason. Yeah. Because he keeps running away and he's not around and he keeps not going to school and keeps cutting and uh, he's kind of a terrible kid. <laughs> <laughs> um. And uh, I also liked the kid actor, too. I, I liked Asher Angel is his name, um, who plays Billy. He, he was pretty neat. Here's a weird... This is a random observation. Did he kind of look like the male version of Arya? Oh! Do you think he has a little bit of that resemblance? I kind of see now that you bring it up. Yeah! yeah. <laughs> the male Maisie Williams. Huh. <laughs> I like how you're, like... Contemplating that, um, and also I, I kind of liked um, the actor who plays Freddie is named Jack Dylan Grazer. Um, there were certain points where I thought maybe he was playing a little big, almost like he was on like a Disney Channel show or something. But but he was okay. Yeah, well, I thought it all worked. Yeah, yeah, no, no it worked too. I really liked uh, Darla. Who uh, Darla, the, the the youngest daughter? Yeah, well, that's why I meant. Yeah, I brought her up before yeah. that, like she. She gets to play, like, very cute, but she's not... Yeah, her name is Faith Herman. Yeah, and she... Yeah, she's delightful. Anytime she's on screen... Uh, I love that moment on the couch when the other foster kids kind of realize, like, Billy and Shazam are the same person. And she's just like, yeah! <laughs> I finally get to go say it! <laughs> um, yeah, and I, I, as we talked about before, Mark Strong, I thought, was uh, pretty compelling. Um, pretty de pretty okay CGI. Um, not, like, the greatest, but, you know, they, they tried to work with, uh, you know, having these gargoyle monsters and all that. Um, I don't know, uh, any final thoughts before we move on to the spoilers? Um, yeah, it's just, like... I don't know, like, I didn't really have much, like, of an opinion about a Shazam movie, and the trailers didn't really give me too much no. like, away, but then I came in, and I was really glad that they didn't give too much away, because it's a really delightful experience yeah. getting to see it unfold and say, oh, wow, yeah, this is exactly the kind mm -hmm. of thing that I wanted from the DC movies, and it's a good thing that we have more of them and it continues in, like, the tradition of Aquaman and yeah. Wonder Woman yeah. being I'm, actually good DC movies that I don't have to qualify. Yeah, and I'm not saying necessarily, like, 
oh, DC movies can't be dark. They need to now be light from now on. You can do dark well or poorly. You can also do light uh, movies well or poorly. I mean, I'm sure I could think of an example of, you know, superhero, something like... I feel like, for example, like the Fox Fantastic Four movies are geared to a younger audience, and they're bad, yeah. for example. Um, but this this almost fe- has like a nice Fantastic Four feel, especially maybe near the end. We'll get to that. Um, yeah, I would recommend this. I actually probably enjoyed this a little bit more than the other Shazam movie <laughs> slash Captain Marvel movie, which is still in theaters. Like, I actually had... You know, it's not like necessarily I had to have fun in Captain Marvel to enjoy that movie, but I actually felt more for the characters in this movie. Like, I felt like they were trying to get some really good emotion out of it. Um, you know, even when, like, there are certain things, like, there are certain little screenplay beats that, especially one point, I felt like they kind of had to jam in there to get it almost out of the way. I don't know. You'll tell me later. Yeah, I'll tell you later. <laughs> So that was not that great, um, but again, there's a lot of just joyful stuff here that, um, yeah, it's just a really wholesome, entertaining movie. But I mean wholesome in a in a good way. This is what, if I would had this movie when I was a kid, I probably would have watched it like 50 times. It feels very sincere. Yes, yeah, very sincere. It feels like it's not trying to uh, bullshit you, uh, like you know, like Suicide Squad kind of did in some ways. Like, you know, it's not pumping like a, a soundtrack or, you know, trying to make a thing out of like the Joker has a grill or something like that <laughs> <laughs> and snarls this. No, it's, it's more, it, it, it creates its own context and it sticks with it, but it does have moments where it, you know, the, the characters in this world are taken seriously um, you know, like even just uh, one last thing though, like when Mark Strong returns to confront his father and like that boardroom, yeah, that's kind of a dark scene. Yeah, like I was kind of laughing, like, wow, this movie went there. <laughs> <laughs> they did that. Oh, wow. Um, so it showed that that you can do that, and it doesn't have to. You know, it doesn't need to feel like you're making like a film school thesis on you know the metatextual gravity of superhero commentary and I'm, I'm saying a lot of words to make myself sound important um all right so from here on in uh we're gonna do a spoiler talk so if you don't want to be spoiled by the movie please pause now it three two one okay welcome back um Okay, so I got I got asked uh, just right off the bat, just skipping ahead to that post credit scene. What was that caterpillar? Mister Mind. Mister Mind. Yes. Okay. Yeah, because I saw you doing that thing, like sh- like shaking violently in your seat and turning into like you know, like you were in an electric chair over that. <laughs> like, who is that? Like, didn't they show the caterpillar earlier in the yes, movie they too? Did. And I started vibrating then. Yeah. I had like, uh, okay. Caterpillar. And then they show the caterpillar again. So is he a big deal in the Shazam comics? Yes. He's one of the big arch nemeses of Shazam. Ooh. Okay. And Mr. Mind uh, yeah, because he at the very end of the movie confronts um, Tad in his like now mental padded room um, prison. Uh, <laughs> is there much you can tell me about him, or without like what? What's his deal? He's like a genius um, caterpillar. What does being a genius caterpillar mean? Does that mean he, like, very brilliantly spins what, like, what does caterpillars do? Don't they, like, uh, shed themselves and become butterflies? Eventually. So he does, does he ever become a butterfly? Yes. Oh, boy. <laughs> well, I don't know. You gotta keep that one but, open. Uh, he kind of does a lot of mind control stuff. And manipulating other characters to do his bidding. Yeah, it seemed like they were opening it up that like he was trying to tell him at the end, I there are other ways to 
get the power. There are other ways to be like the number one. You've seen things like that. Um, yeah, I, I think what was cool about that was that appeals definitely to people, um, who have read the comics and people like you, frankly, (laughs) and for everyone in the audience else in the audience to be like, what? But in like kind of a fun way, it's like, yeah, that's something I haven't seen before. Yeah. And you have seen a movie about an octopus playing the drums. Octopus playing the... Wait, you mean like... Oh, 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 in Aquaman? Yeah. Oh, okay. For a second... Well, you know what's funny when you consider... Here's something I just thought of. Last year, we had two anthropomorphized animals uh, playing drums. Right, yeah. Because the ant at the end of Ant-Man and the Wasp uh-huh. and the octopus. <laughs> they should have a drum bell. They should. All right. Um, yeah, so in this movie, again, it's... Um, uh, so a lot of the conflict you can kind of see kind of coming that again, the kind of like in Spider-Man part of the conflict is not just that this character needs to become like a better superhero. It's also that now his family is getting involved and he needs to now protect them. And they're going to be the ones that are really in danger that he needs to save. And, um, uh, what, what's really cool is how, they set up something in the movie that you don't, I didn't even think was something that they thought were going to pay off. And that's something really cool when a story can do that, which involves the other wizards, uh-huh. right? The fact that ever all the other kids end up getting the kind of Shazam powers. That's awesome. <laughs> were they, I heard like somebody in the audience, at, like when they showed like one of the characters, they were like, Oh, were they like any of them a big deal? Um, yeah. Um, Mary and Freddie are the big classic Shazam family people, okay. and the rest of them were added for the new Fifty Two. Okay. Yeah. All right. So I assume the guy with the beard probably was added for the new Fifty Two. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't have people didn't have as many beards back in like the fifties and sixties. Um, maybe they did. Uh, but anyway, that that was a really great scene, and I love that because you think that it's just going to be another beat em up, you know, one the superhero being up the bad guy, and with a cool locale because it's a, a, a carnival, or we should say, or a carnival amusement park, or what would they say, Philadelphia? Yeah, Philadelphia. <laughs> they worked in a pun there. Oh, you know who's a funny character in this? Santa Claus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They work in like a male Santa Claus pops up and freaks out when the uh, when Shazam and Tad are fighting in the mall, and then he pops up again. And like this also is kind of a uh, uh, they they kind of slipped it under. It's also kind of a Christmas movie. Yeah, it should have come out when Aquaman was in theaters. <laughs> yeah, well, th- yeah, I guess so. I mean, there there have also been Christmas movies that came out other times of the year. True. Yes, like Gremlins, uh, also John Glover. Um, uh, so other things in this movie that I'm just trying to think of that I want to mention. I mean, I don't know if there are necessarily a lot of super spoilery details ne- necessarily. Um, I mean, I mean, there are things that, again, like for example, the um, you know, Billy finds out that, oh, no, my mother really didn't want me anymore. <laughs> <laughs> that was a nice moment, too. You know, that was the thing I mentioned before, though, that I thought they kind of crammed into the screenplay in a way. Like, I know why it's there, and I know why it's supposed to work, um, but it felt like something they squeezed in that, like, all of a sudden the kid was doing research because he found like the book in the trash and managed to find like who this, uh, who his real mother was and that she was still like a couple blocks away in Philadelphia. But we're also led to believe that he was trying to search for her for all that time too. So like the kid just magically found like the mother living close by. Cause he played watchdog. So he knows how to hack better. Oh, is that what he said? Yes. The hell's Watchdog? It's a it's a video game where you play a hacktivist and you. Oh you, my god! Oh, I feel so old. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what these things are anymore. Uh, Watchdog. Um, no, but I, I get why that's there, and it obviously 
I feel like the the one the only thing is Billy was already kind of on the path to be you know this family really being his family like it, it it's still a good scene but you almost if he took it out I feel like it would still work how he ultimately ends up them being his family yeah. it felt like they kind of put it in there as a way of no he definitely is now he he definitely can't go back to live with his mother. Like, I feel like at that point, he's already moved on a bit from doing that. Yeah, but they just need to make it official. Last Temptation of Billy Batson. <laughs> that's, that's, see, that would be a title for a comic book. That's like, that's the one where Alan Moore takes over Shazam. <laughs> I want to do a comic book about... Uh, Shazam and had to be doing temptations and all this and magic and uh, well, he'd write <laughs> Miracle Man. Oh, is that kind of his version of Shazam? You think? Well, Miracle Man or Marvel Man, as he was called originally, yeah. was the British version of Captain Marvel back in the day. Ah, interesting. Another case of him appropriating comic book character. Yeah. All right. Um. Yeah. So that's a thing that happens too. Um. I really, do, I also dug that um, the sort of uh, the weakness of Mark Strong's character is that like he needs to get all of the sins out, so he just is now like a regular yes, dude again. That was really interesting. Yeah, it, uh, it it kind of turned it. It it was maybe a slight beat, like almost in a video game, but in a good way. Mm-hmm. It's like you have to draw them all out, and um, it made me think a little bit about how I. I actually teach in my English class this essay. Uh, it's from The Onion. It's called All Seven Deadly Sins Commit at Church Bake Sale. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, uh, only half the students laugh at that. Um, but, it, you know, it talks about the seven deadly sins. And uh, know, it just made me think of that and how it's it's a good context for a villain, too. Yeah. I wish they had given each of the sins more personality, though, because like you said, no, they, they were all gargoyles. yeah, they yeah, gave... they were just gargoyles. Yeah. yeah, that that was probably a disappointing aspect. The visual effects, like I said, weren't bad. They were just kind of standard. It's like they they pop up, they fight characters. None of them have any special abilities. They're just gargoyles. Yeah. Um, you know, but they and they also they're gargoyles that talk a little bit. Uh, you know, because they, they give temptations um they all have voices like this too because of course they do um i also just like little beats like when at the end when they're in that uh what was the room called again the rock of attorney the rock of attorney they all are like we found our lair (laughs) (laughs) because that's another great little moment they actually at one point uh billy and freddie well shazam and billy they, they go to like, I guess a realtor, and they say, we want a lair. <laughs> <laughs> and I just love, yeah, that the the reaction... And again, you would think that in this world, people would... Uh, like, I also, again, like, I would love to watch this movie again, in part, just to watch how the crowds react to certain people and, and or, or react to the main characters. Because... You would think that in a world again that, that has Superman and Batman and and Aquaman, we can and we're going to assume that this movie takes place, I guess, after all the events of the movies have already happened. Um, you know, in like a downtime moment, so to speak. Um, how they would react to someone like Shazam, you know, compared to like Superman, they'd be like, "Oh, okay, yeah. he does that. <laughs> You're not as special as." That guy. We also don't hate you as much. <laughs> We're not going to have any congressional hearings about Shazam. Um, yeah, I'm not sure if I have too much else to say about this. Um, but like I said, it's a very, it's an entertaining movie. It's not something that you need to t- think too deeply about. It's probably, if I had to think about it, it might be my favorite of the new DCU movies. I mean, I know we just got out of it, but maybe more than Wonder Woman? Not sure. Because Wonder Woman had a bit more thematic heft, but that also had more issues in, like, the third act. 
um, or near the end of that movie. This one felt a little more consistent throughout. Like, there weren't too many. It might have been, actually, one thing I would say, one mark, it's a little long for this kind of story. Like, I don't know how much I would have cut out, but maybe, like, five, ten minutes. You could have trimmed, like, little things here and there, maybe. Well, I was just disappointed that it didn't have Mr. Talkie Tawny in it. Who's Talkie Tawny? He's a talking tiger. Of course he is. <laughs> oh, that's the other thing I wanted to ask you about. Okay, so they go into um, that 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 dark place. What are all the doors and rooms they're opening? They go to like different magical dimensions and stuff. That was so cool. Yeah. I love that. That's like it's. Uh, it. Oh, what did that remind me of? It was almost like the DC universe version of. Um, when like Jack Skellington goes into that part of the woods, and like each you have like Easterland and St. Patrick's Day land and Thanksgiving land, um, just all these possibilities. That was just a really clever because, and you don't know what those are. I mean, they open up one door, and it felt like was that a face hugger? Kinda. <laughs> Here, go open this door and go into the alien verse. <laughs> <laughs> Someday we'll have uh, a Shazam alien crossover movie. <laughs> if Disney ever buys Warner Brothers, we will. Oh, oh yeah. God damn it. Oh, <laughs> shit. That's right. <laughs> Disney owns Alien now. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Nobody talks about that. Hey, we're going to have a Xenomorph in your Guardians of the Galaxy movie. Um, all right. So, any final thoughts, Matt? Um, yeah, it was a big, fun, like, happy escapist movie that's, like, tonally right for the genre and character and it doesn't talk down to you but yes. it doesn't like you know beat you over the head with anything either no it just, yeah it feels it, like it just right on point yeah it moves at a good pace it has it hits a lot of the right notes it hits notes you don't expect uh oh and one last thing i think it uses philadelphia pretty well yeah it's a good philadelphia movie if you uh like those kind of things like uh i mean obviously has to mention rocky that might have been a little obvious but i guess you can't have a philadelphia movie that is released around the world without mentioning rocky uh but you know this and blowout are probably two of the best uh philadelphia movies out there all right um if you guys uh want to uh, check us out you can visit us on uh, facebook and twitter at the wages of cinema podcast uh matt where can you be found i can be found at mattthecatania.wordpress.com and that's got like a facebook and a twitter and a pinterest as well oh and you're on pinterest yes i am on pinterest i should follow you on pinterest i'm i didn't know that huh okay well there you go folks <laughs> <laughs> i didn't know how big pinterest was anymore so that's why i'm like oh okay um yeah, so that's, uh, and also wageofsim at gmail.com. You should always check out Matt's blog because he will go even more in depther than he did in our episodes. Uh, so you should also check out his Captain Marvel uh, blog because that was uh, uh, quite a good, interesting dive there. Um, yeah, so when we come back next time, uh, we might have a new episode. We might uh, have to conclude what the Avengers are up to. All half of them. Uh, <laughs> I guess we have to, because, well, it's obligation, I guess. Uh, <laughs> I, I, you had a bit of a resigned reaction to that, like, eh, eh, eh. yeah, Avengers. All right, until next time, I'm Jack. And I'm Matt. And the wages of cinema is... Holy moly! <laughs> All right, have a good night.